listening to a sermon from Hebron Baptist Church, a church in the northern Kentucky Cincinnati area that's committed to making disciples who make disciples. We want our love for God to be evident in our lives and for the Word of God to bear fruit as we go on mission across the street and around the globe. We hope after hearing this message, you'll connect with us on our website at hebronbaptist.org and visit our campus, not far from I-275 in Hebron, some Sunday morning. And now, here's a message from God's perfect, life-changing Word. You may be seated. Turn in your copy of God's Word or turn on your copy of God's Word to 1 John chapter 2, verse 28. Verse 28, we'll read to chapter 3, verse 10. It's page 1083 in the Pew Bible in front of you if you would like to follow along in that translation. I hope that as we have gone on, we have seen this great assurance that we have in Christ, that we see how life can be illuminated in Christ, that how our life can be empowered by Christ, that our life can be, as we talk today, now like Christ. And so today, that's what we're going to look at, that I want to be like Christ. This is what our verses say to us today. So let's read along 1 John 2, 28 and 2, 3, 10. So now, little children, remain in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know this as well. Everyone who does what is right has been born of him. See what great love the Father has given us that we should be called God's children. And we are. The reason the world does not know us is that we, it didn't know him. Dear friends, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. And everyone who has his, this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Everyone who commits sin practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. You know that he was revealed so that he might take away sins, and there is no sin in him. Everyone who remains in him does not sin. Everyone who sins has not seen him or known him. Children, let no one deceive you. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who commits sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God was revealed for this purpose, to destroy the devil's works. Everyone who has been born of God does not sin, because his seed remains in him. He is not able to sin, because he has been born of God. This is how God's children and the devil's children become obvious. Whoever does not know what is right is not of God especially the one who does not love his brother and sister. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we ask you this morning to reveal in us and through us, but by your word, bring light. God, we pray this morning that as we see this word, that you would plant it in us and bring it to fruit. And that God, we would let you have absolute sway over our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Sometimes I dream that he is me. 
I sing that song everywhere I'd go. You couldn't help but have that little ditty in your mind. That, uh, that commercial came out in 1991. Knowing that the, the full weight of the ph phenomenon of Michael Jordan had come out. It is both the Gatorade commercial, the shoes. Everyone wanted to be like Mike. And so I did what a 13-year-old boy did. I went and drank my Gatorade, laced up my Jordans that I had saved my money up for about a year and a half or however long it took me to get them. And I went outside. And you know what I found out? I still had a four-inch vertical. <laughs> and I could not dunk. And what I learned was is that even though everybody wanted to be like Mike, there's not very many ways to be like Mike easily. What I learned was is drinking Gatorade and wearing Jordan's shoes doesn't make us like Mike. But I can know this from reading my Bible. Being a born again will make me like Christ. And what I learned from the Scriptures is part of our assurance of our faith is that when we are saved, when we are born again, that we have been created in a new image that we can, by the Spirit's work in us, be like Christ. And it is in this becoming like Christ that we want to do in our life and in our day. So how do we respond like Christ? Well, this is what the challenge that John is telling us today. John is asking us, and we might, you might even ask this question, how do I become like Christ when I have a disagreement with my parents? How do I respond like Christ when in the time of crisis or in a time of cancer? How do I treat my spouse like Christ? How am I bold like Christ and not timid and not sharing my faith? Well, John helps us to see that the key for living for Christ is to thinking and being challenged and being encouraged by the two appearings of Christ. Now, the word appearing is important in our passage today. If you notice, if you counted, there were five uh, appearances of the word appearance. There are five showing up the words appearing. And four of those apply to Christ's coming, either his first coming or his second coming. The first appearance is the incarnation where the preexistent Son of God comes to take away the sins of the world. We see that in John 2, 28 and 3, 2. And then secondly, we see the second coming when it says when he appears in verse uh, 2, 28 and 3, 2. In Christ's first coming, we see that Christ has come to take away the sins of the world, but it is in the second coming that Christ makes us like 
himself. Here we see that as we wait his return, we are challenged to live in righteousness and purity. Now, I always want to begin and be reminded kind of the caveat or the, or the disclaimer that we start from the beginning because I want us to make sure that we understand it is not in this righteousness or in this purity or in this good living that we can come to Christ, that we cannot be saved in this way. No, there is nothing good in what we have done. There is nothing that we can do to atone for our sin. We are only saved by faith in Christ. But it is the work of Christ in us through our salvation, being through the power of the Spirit, that makes us like Him. So the assurance that we find in the Scriptures and the assurance that we find in our salvation, it is that in that work, that we grow to be like him. In our passage today, we're going to look at how the two arrivals of Christ challenge us to live in righteousness as Christ. And so the first that we read here, if you're following along and reading, uh, taking notes, is number one, we must be pure like Christ because he is coming again. Uh, verse 2, 2 through 20, uh, 228 through 3, 3 says this, so now, little children, remain in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know this as well. Everyone who does what is right has been born of God. See what great love the Father has given us that we should be called God's children, and we are. The reason, does not, the, reason the world does not know us is that it didn't know him. Dear friends, we are God's children now, and we will be, uh, and what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that when he appears, we will be like him, and because we will see him as he is, and everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. So the key phrase we see here in this past, these section from 28 to 33 says, that verse 28, when he appears and at his coming. The Greek word for at his coming is perusia or parousia, however you want to, to pronounce that. It indicates one's arrival. It means someone who is coming as pers personally present. It's a the also a theological term that talks about Christ's second coming. In its teaching, and no matter where you fall in, in the teaching of Christ's second coming, what John is reminding us here is that there is a personal presence of Christ that we get to live in anticipation of this wonderful hope of his coming. And if we are assured of this future event, then we will be constructed, we will be constructed, we will be grown, we will be moved to be more like him. And it is in this hope of his second coming that we must seek to be pure like him. And so what we see is letter A, we must be pure because we don't want to be ashamed. In verse 28, John helps us to see that when he appears, we will have confidence and not ashamed at his coming. We want to live with purity of hearts and minds because we understand that one day we will be face to face with Christ. We want to have confidence in that time. Now let us be clear again, 
Another caveat, I want us to be clear every time here, is that when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, that our uh, our God, that we know that it is not our merit that God grants us into heaven. It is only, our only hope is that, that Jesus will say this, he is mine, or she is mine. And in likewise, I will say, God, I know that there is nothing that you can do or that I have done that will let me in. As a matter of fact, I know that there's enough that I would not be let into heaven. But Jesus is mine. His mercy is more. In this, though, we know that our hope and the teaching of the Bible is that there is much that will come at the, at the time of judgment, that God will reveal the things we have done. There is a teaching that helps us to know that we are accountable for the life that God has given us. Jesus said through the parables that, that we what, must be accountable for the talents he's given us, right? Parable of the talents. He tells us in another parable that we must be at work when the master's away. We must be prepared for his second coming. There's a lot of scripture that teaches us that we must be accountable for who we are. But here's the good news for us, that when we are weighted and measured, we will know that we will be accountable to what God has done in us and through us in Christ. However, it does not take us off the hook for what God has given us to do while we're here. That we are called to be pure. We are called to be righteous. We are called to live for him. And so one day we know when the master returns, we will see him face to face. Isn't that good news? Now, no offense to anyone. When the day that I die, there's a lot of people that I want to see but they've got a couple thousand years I can see them. The first person I want to see is Jesus. Amen. He is the one who reached down while I was drowning and dead and brought me to life. He is the face that I long to see. He is the one that I want to spend time with. He is the one that I want to be part of and meet in heaven. And in that moment, I know Jesus somehow will make me like him. We will be glorified. We will be sinless. We will be like our Savior. And in this moment, I want to be able to come to Christ, not ashamed, not slinking away, but I want to come, as John says, I want to have confidence. I want to come to him knowing that I have tried and faithfully with the Spirit's power to to live in purity and righteousness. We must understand that we trust in Christ alone, that he will produce righteousness in us. But the reality is, the scriptures teach us that some will not come in confidence, but hide in shame. Revelation chapter 6, 15 says, Then the kings of the earth, the nobles, the generals, the rich, the powerful, and every slave and free person hid in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountain and to the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of the one seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, because the great day of their wrath has come. And who is able to stand? The reality is, is there will come a time that those who know him will be revealed. And those who don't will tremble in fear. So we must pursue purity 
as the day draws near, we know he's coming. Secondly, we must pursue, pursue pure, purity because we are deeply loved. Look at verse 29 through 31 where John reminds us, if you know that he is righteous, if you know this as well, everyone who does right has been born of him. See the great love the Father has given us that we should be called God's children and we are. The reason the world does not know us is that they didn't know him. Dear friends, we are God's children now and what will be has not yet revealed. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. The second coming reveals our family resemblance. John reminds us that we have been born of God that we have been born in him. It's interesting that in John's gospel, John 3, in the same way he talks about born, being born again as in 1 John 3. First John 3, the gospel 3, it is the story of Nicodemus saying, Jesus, how must I be saved? And Jesus says, you must be born again. And here we are reminded of this trusting and the spirit again that we must trust Christ, that we are made new. But John goes further. Look at the love that he has given us. Not that just that he has saved us and that he has forgiven us, that he has made us his family. We has, he's made us as sons. We have made us, been made as children. We have been, yes, made as God's church, but we are God's elect, God's family, God's bride. And in verse 1, we are reminded we are God's children. And this reveals our family resemblance and the one who deeply loves us. This weekend, we had a discussion in our family of the, the characteristics that I've taken from my dad and from my mom. And, and we saw Franklin as he was on, playing on the football field. He was fired up and fiery and just talking junk and chirping it up and all this stuff. And, and we said, well, you know, that comes after Sarah's grandmother, the Irish blood that comes in that side of the family. Not Sarah. Absolutely not Sarah. We know that the resemblance comes from our family. And in the same way, there are traits that come through us and in us because our Heavenly Father, the righteousness that we receive in Christ is where we take off sin and we put on Christ that we live in purity. We have been empowered by being Christ's children. Romans 8, 12 through 15, so then, brothers and sisters, we are not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh, because if you live according to the flesh, you are going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live, for all those led by God's Spirit are God's sons. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Friends, let us be cherishing the sonship that we have in Christ. That when we are in this flesh, as we are struggling in sin, that we are not left alone. That we are not captives to sin. But instead, because of our great Father in us, He has given us the ability to live for him, to not be controlled by the flesh, not to be controlled by, by other thing, anything other than the Spirit of God. We gain the power and the ability to live in control of sin, and we can live by the Spirit because we are deeply loved. 
But we also see that we must chase purity because one day we will be like him. We see that G- Jesus says that it, he will be revealed. John says we know that he will appear. We will be like him. We will see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope purifies himself just as he is pure. Our ultimate how to be chasing purity is found in the arrival of Christ making us like him. We know we are already created in the image of God, but it has been marred by sin in our life. It has been stamped on us. But the good news is if when we are born again by the Spirit, we are saved by grace, that we, at our conversion, we are created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And in that day that we are fulfilling God's ultimate purpose to make us and conform us in the likeness of His Son. And therefore, we must know that in that being called and transformed and changed, that we will one day be like him. So we must pursue purity. Philippians 3.21 says, He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject everything to himself. So today, we must chase purity because we will one day be made like him. Have you seen the commercial for zero water filters? I've seen one, it's kind of like the teenage daughter and the, the father, and, the, and it's almost you know, kind of a corny commercial actually. It's, uh, it's kind of a stereotypical commercial. Dad, why are you still using these old water filters? You need to get with the times. And, and he says, well, I've got this water filter and it's fine and I like it. And she says, well, look at this water purifier detector. I mean, who has that around the house, really? Look at your filter. Look at your water. And, they, and she places it in the water, and it shows that there's still some impurities in there. And then, then they say, watch the zero water. And she pours it in there, and it, it's 0.0. There's no impurities in there. Friends, let me ask you this morning. What is it that you need to filter out of your life to chase purity in Christ? We were listening to a country radio station the other day, and out of the back of the fan, Franklin goes, turn it, turn it. What? Turn it, what's wrong? They used a bad word. Sarah's like, did you hear one? No. We had to actually Google the lyrics, and he was right. In his childlike mind, he was reminding us There are some things that we need to filter out. I'm not saying this to be legalistic. I'm not saying that we need to turn off all all these radio stations or whatever. But you must, before God and your conscience and the word, to think how you are filtering your heart, your soul, your mind in purity of him. Would he want you to be listening to that? Would you, should you be watching that? Should you be gossiping like that? Should you be holding bitterness like that? What is it that you need to filter as Christ's appearance draws near? Secondly, as we understand our call to pursue purity, we must also, it says, pursue righteousness. 
So number two, be righteous like Christ because he has come. This is the second appearance that we see in Christ that John magnifies for us. In verse 4, he says, everyone who commits sin practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. So you know that he was revealed so that he might take away sins, and there is no sin in him. Everyone who remains in him does not sin. Everyone who sins has not seen him or known him. I'm going to stop right there. We'll continue on. But verses uh, 3, 4 through 10 takes us in light of Christ's first coming. His incarnation. In verse 5 and 8, we see this understanding of the revealing, the revealing of Christ, the revealing of him who takes away the sin. Here, verse 8, the one who commits sin is of the devil for the purpose, uh, excuse me, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God was revealed for a purpose. Here we see the understanding, the self-disclosure of God the Son, the purpose of dealing with human sin stretches from the pre-existence of Christ, and it is supported when we see appeared and was manifested. This implies the pre-existence of Christ and the first coming of Christ. So John is challenging us that there's something about Christ coming, coming to earth, coming incarnate, living a pure life, dying on the cross for our sake, drives how we pursue righteousness. So we know this, we should chase righteousness because letter A, he came and was sinless. Verse 4 through 6 helps us to see that Jesus, who was the one, he is righteousness. He came to take away the sins. There is no sin in him. Everyone who remains in him does not sin. The truth about Christ is that Jesus came to take away sins and was sinless himself. Why does John put these two together, connect these truths about Jesus because they're important to one another. Jesus came and was sinless so that he could take away the sins of the world. We see through the Bible that God said that sins can be forgiven through sacrifice, but we saw that they did not take, they were not enough. They were enough to overcome a sin or a a guilt, but it was not to take away the, the penalty, the ultimate penalty of death through God's wrath. And for the only way for this to occur is not for an animal to die for the sins of a human, but for a sinless human to die for the sin of the world. It is that Christ who was fully God and fully man, who was the perfect sacrifice for us. If we were to say that our hope was built on sacrificing animals we would, or any type of work that we could make ourselves into God loving us, then we are saying something that cannot add up. It would be as silly as saying that I would like to trade for Tom Brady for a seventh round pick. It is not enough. But it was a sinless Savior, a perfect Savior, Jesus, who died for our sin. So we strive for righteousness now because the Christ sinless Savior died for us and our confidence is in Him. Our confidence is the salvation bought through Christ. So we chase after righteousness. John Newton, who was a former slave owner and slave trader, 
that God came and saved him and became a priest in the Anglican church. He turned from his sins and actually worked with William Wilberforce to, to help take away slavery for the United Kingdom. John Newton, we know, became a famous pastor, but he penned the words, the most famous hymn ever, Amazing Grace. But he wrote this. He said, if I ever reach heaven, I expect to find three wonders there. First, to meet some I had not thought to see there. Second, to miss some I had expected to see there. And third, the greatest wonder of all, to find myself there. The reason we pursue righteousness is because we are so amazed that Christ has died and saved us. That this great gift that we have received, we long to serve him and to follow him. And right now we fight sin and live in righteousness because a sinless Savior died. But not only did he forgive us of our sins, but let her be, he came to destroy evil. Verse 7 and 8, children, do not let, do not let no one deceive you. The one who does what is right is righteous just as he is righteous. The one who commits sin is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God was revealed for this purpose to destroy the devil's works. Now these verses are some of the most cut to the heart verses in all of the scripture. We see that if there is sin in us, we are working on behalf of the devil. That if we're working in righteousness, we're working on behalf of Christ. But let us point to the promise. Christ has been revealed so that the devil's work in evil can be destroyed. So the hope for us to live in righteousness is knowing that Christ has come and put evil to death. This promise guides these markers. If you are righteous, you do righteous things. If you do sin, you are of the devil. In the power of Christ, if you fight and are fighting sin, you are displaying his work. The reality is, is that we all sin. Either we're struggling with a particular sin, an addiction to alcohol, pornography, food, work, shopping, gambling, video games, or whatever your sin you struggle with is. But many times we weakly succumb to them. Maybe it's an immoral thought one day, a greed the next, anxiety after that, followed by unrighteous anger, then an obscene joke, then hating our parents, then gossip, then gluttony, then deceit, then vanity, idolatry, and whatever your sin looks like when it comes to full fruition. We are reminded we are saints, yet we're still sinners. When the Christian recognizes this and confesses and repents, guess what? We get the power to fight and put evil to death. The Christian recognizes this and we repent and cry out to God as Psalm 51, 1 through 2. Be gracious to me, God. According to your faithful love, according to your abundant compassion, blot out my rebellion, completely wash away my guilt, and cleanse me from this sin. You see, the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian is that we understand when we repent and confess, there is a great God who forgives us. And we gladly keep going to our great good Father. It's when we repent, when we confess, he will forgive us. 
But if we never repent, and if we never run from sin, how can we confirm Christ's work in us? The good news for a believer, the assurance that we have is if Christ has come, he destroys evil in our life. And every day we should be growing in Christ-likeness. So let us see, we pursue righteousness because we are a reflection of God. Verse 9 and 10, everyone who's been born of God does not sin because his seed remains in him and he is not able to sin because he has been born of God. Those of us been born by God, we have been saved by God to reflect what he has done for us. Christ appeared to take this, away the sins of the world and one day we will be like him. So how can we possibly go on living in sin? To do so would deny the very purpose of Christ's first appearing for us because it is in this first appearing that the seeds of faith, the seed of the Spirit, there are many who, who say, what is this seed? Is it the word of the gospel? Is it the Holy Spirit? Is it the presence of God? All three of those matter because in all of that, we are born of the Spirit. We are born again. And it's because of this, if we are saved, then we we project, we live, we are ambassadors for God. And I am thankful that God our Father is saving us and sanctifying us. And the good work he has begun in us, he will continue until that day. So who are you more likely to point others to in your life? Is there a righteousness that overflows from God's work in you? Is there a righteousness that is born in you that shows itself in the way that we love and care and especially as John points out that we love our brothers and sisters? What aspect of righteousness must adorn your life with to show Christ's work in you? So today if you're not a Christian, Hear this clearly. Christ has come to die for you. Repent and believe and be made a child of God. But if you're struggling in sin today and you're a believer, here's even more good news. Repent and run to God for forgiveness. This is the beautiful thing about being a child, that we know that we can come to a good father who cares for us. Think of this good father. Think of an earthly father. When you teach a child to, to, to ride a bike for the first time and they, you give them a little nudge or a push or they start off, do you get angry with them and reject them and you send them out of your house because they fall over? No, you encourage them. Get back up. You got it next time. I'll help you along. I love you. I'm not going to leave you. As a child of God, we have a great good father that even when we sin, we run to him and he meets us with his love every time. John Newt was looking back on his life and observed, I'm not what I ought to be. I'm not what I want to be. I'm not what I hope to be in another world. But still, I'm not what I once used to be. And by the grace of God, I am what I am. Let us pray. God, we are thankful so much for today that we can 
live for purity and righteousness, that we can be like your son Jesus, that he has come and saved us. And that by the mighty, powerful work of your son Jesus, that we can supernaturally live for you. And so God, I'm also thankful for your son that we find in him forgiveness, that in him we find joy, and in him we find hope. So Lord, we pray today that there's someone here that does not know you. I pray today by your spirit they are saved and that they come to you as father and they are forgiven. God, I pray today for those of us who are following you, that, Lord, we understand the call of purity and righteousness, that we can be like your son, Jesus. And, God, we all today long for the day that we will see you face to face. May we be living for that day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Hebron Baptist Church. We pray as you have listened, the Holy Spirit has worked in your heart that you may faithfully follow Him. Most importantly, we hope that you've been drawn into a relationship with God. At Hebron, we believe that the gospel is the central message of the Bible. The gospel is that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, who was born of the Virgin Mary, lived a sinless life, and died for our sins. But he was raised from the dead and ascended to the right hand of God. The most appropriate response to hearing this good news is turning from sin and turning to Christ. Don't stay far from God. Instead, repent and believe in Christ and be brought into an intimate relationship with him. If you would like more information about this life-changing decision, please contact us through our website at HebronBaptist.org. Or even better, come see us on a Sunday morning. May God bless you as you follow him.